Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Welcome to another rousing edition of Relationship Theory. I'm your co-host Tom Bilyeu. I'm here with my beloved wife, Lisa Billion. What's up, people? Today, we are going to be talking about... Sex, baby. There it is. I actually started playing the Salt and Pepper oh, song on my phone. Dear God. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Heart if you guys remember that song. Well, it's not that I don't remember the song. But don't remember and love it. I was What is up? Brandy Buckmaster is in the house. Like, I actually Kaleo, got that's a cool name. Really, What's up, Kaleo? Like, when I started hearing the song, it kind Cleo. of resonated. Oh, that's a, a oh, unique spelling of Cleo. I've never seen that before. Elizabeth um, Sullivan, what is up? How we doing, everybody? All right. Come on so in, the water's warm. Drew Lantic. As you all know, right. let's, let's kick it off, people. Let's do it. All right. So, um, guys... I assume that you have your notifications on because you guys all joined us very quickly. But if you don't, switch on your notifications. I'm going to speak fast yeah. so I don't waste people's time. And kick off question, would you rather? Join with us, guys. Drop it in the comments below. The all right. Would you rather have only a good Stop sex it. life or only good conversations? Wow. That depends on when you asked me that question. If you'd asked me that when I was 18, the answer would have been very easy. <laughs> but now, honestly, like good conversation. Yeah. To be fair, I would be mortified beyond mortification not to have good sex, but I could get past that. I could not get past intellectual connection not having that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so we've got a fan kickoff question. And if you're new to this, or if you're not new to this, you may wonder, like, oh, we haven't spoken about sex before. <coughs> um, obviously, we think it's a very important part of a relationship. So um, that's why. That's why we haven't talked about it before? No, that's why we're talking about it today. Yes, very true. <laughs> um, all right, fan kickoff question. This is from Mindy Sebiston. How do you open conversations regarding sexual preferences with your partner? My partner and I are on different pages in regards to what we want in the bedroom, and I would like to figure out how to meet in the middle. Well, this is really a question about communication. So depending on where they are in their relationship, I think it's really important to be able to talk about everything. And a big thing is to earn the credibility with each other that there's not going to be any judgment. And I think at the end of the day, that's the key oh, thing. Shit. Sorry. Um, is uh, that. Like making sure that you guys really take the time to earn that credibility with each other, to show each other that you're not going to judge them, that you really want to know, you really want to hear um, what they're going through and then obviously understand that a lot of the time the judgment is coming from a place of insecurity on the other person's part where it may trigger something in them. So this is one of those conversations that I think everybody has to be very sensitive about coming to the table, um, understand how charged it is in a relationship, understand that one of the things that 
may be interesting to one person triggers an insecurity in the other person. And so they're not necessarily responding to like that you're a bad person. I can't believe you want that. Even if those are the words they're using, because for whatever reason, that thing is making them feel insecure, off balance or whatever. Um, so having that real conversation. So don't let sex be tea, as we say, where you're arguing about the surface level thing which, so one of the biggest arguments we ever got into at the beginning of our relationship was over a cup of tea. And about two hours into the argument, we realized we're not actually arguing about the tea. The tea is not what's bothering either of us. It was something a layer deeper. Mm -hmm. And so if sex is just bringing something up, um, which the thing literally that I'm thinking about that I think a lot of people are triggered on is body issues. So I think a lot of things stem from that, not being comfortable with their body, maybe not even being comfortable with their, their, um, their sexuality, not in terms of preference, but like just being a sexual being, I think is something that can be deeply uncomfortable for a lot of people. And so getting to the point where they can talk about it to each other without judgment, very open. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we found very beneficial in that is finding those moments where you're totally defenseless, your guard is down. So picking your moment very, very wisely, not on a day where you're stressed out and the kids are screaming and all of that. It's a day where it's like, ah, we have time to decompress. We're totally locked in. Uh, we have no distractions. Moments like that, usually there's a greater sense of intimacy and acceptable vulnerability, and you can have those kinds of conversations. Word. Yeah, the biggest thing you said that really hit me and has hit me in the past is like the no judgment thing. Because I think we all have... Um, just coming into a relationship, you've got history, right? Whether it's history with other partners or stories that you've heard or things that you've seen or the way you were brought up. Like everyone has like a world view. And I remember when I first met you, you were very open about talking about sex and what you wanted and what was important. And like, and I was like so shy and shocked about everything you were saying, but it made so much sense. And when I understood that it was like coming from a, like don't judge each other. Um, and that made such a difference because I think that having your preconceived thoughts when you go into a relationship, when someone says something that kind of shakes that, I think there's a bit of fear, a bit of, like you said, self-esteem involved where, um, you know, I guess in general, and look, I don't want to generalize, I'm just gonna actually say about myself. You always want the light on and I'm like dim, dim the light, mood lighting, candles and, you know, like after a while, I think I just blatantly asked and you're like, babe, you're beautiful. I want to see you. And like just understanding where you were coming from actually like knocked all the other thoughts I'd had in my head about, yeah, I don't know. Just like, it was like, it was so sincere. So I was like, you know what? You need to be more open and accepting and really hear what the other person wants. Forish ways. Um, all right. So guys, we are answering live. So drop in the comments below um, and we'll get to them. All right, next question come from um, Josie. And this is actually, is that Josie or, or Jose? How, what's the, how do you spell it? Is it different? Jose is usually J-O-S-E. Oh, so okay. I'm guessing that's Josie. Josie. Okay, thank you. Um, Josie Gutierrez Miodov. My sex drive in my marriage is higher than my husband's. There have been many times when I want to have sex and he is not in the mood. When that happens, I get extremely insecure and feel like he is not attracted to me. I know that he told... Uh, that he totally is and he's so sweet and wonderful about comf um, comforting, comforting me thank you comforting me in those situations but my insecurity doesn't go away how do I handle that when it gets triggered simply by our difference in sex drives first I, I I'm shocked that it's that way around but I absolutely love it and again it's like a knock to my um, 
just my like thinking and I really like your like, assumptions my assumptions yeah and I think it's important to break those assumptions and so I, that's why I actually love this question period <laughs> I was then waiting for you to take over so yeah my the it sounds like you guys are communicating really well which is amazing and I applaud you guys and my thing on this is that you have to do the work ultimately if he's being as sweet as you're saying and he's really being understanding and he's trying to help you through that um, but you have to do that work to figure out what it is that makes you feel insecure um, you know where is there something long-standing in your history around rejection um, that I think is really important what do you read into sex do you have the same kind of assumption stack as Brian Johnson would call it that Lisa has which is that guys oh of course they just want it all the time and and then when they don't live up to that that feels like well then it must be me because guys their default setting is to want sex and when you understand that just like for women, for guys, if they're stressed out, if they're anxious, if they're hungry, if they're, I mean, there could be a thousand things that would make them um, less interested in sex in that moment. And if you understand what those things are and know that truly it's not about you, then I think that that would help a lot. And remember, everybody has a rich internal life. And sometimes that rich internal life has to do with things that are freaking them out, stressing them out. And while they're trying not to think about it, that'll have a tremendous impact on their free mm -hmm. testosterone, um, speaking specifically about guys. Like, for instance, if a guy is watching a sporting event and his sports team is losing, you can actually measure the decline in his testosterone, which is the very hormone really? that's going to be absolutely 100%. Almost go more because you get more aggressive. If they win, then their testosterone goes mm. up. But in a winner, testosterone levels are higher. In a loser, testosterone levels are lower. And I mean that literally like they won the game. Yeah. Um, so it, things like that. Like there's no question. In fact, we have dear friends who were really struggling with mi mismatched libidos because the husband w had slid into depression. And so what his doctor prescribed him was testosterone mm. and not an antidepressant. And in raising his free testosterone levels back up, all of a sudden he was like a crazy sex machine. And what was fascinating in that, and literally wanting sex like three, four, five times a day. And she was like, it was too much. And so she felt like she had created a monster. And I think for her, it was really eye-opening to understand, oh, simply rubbing uh, an ointment on his underarms, which was how he got the, the testosterone into his system, changed him that dramatically. And so she understood like this. Yeah, yeah. Wow. This is a, a hormonal question. This isn't a question of desire for me. Mm. And so at the end of the day, understanding that humans are chemical processing plants, and if the chemicals that either one are processing or taking them down a path of lowered libido, um, that when I say literally has nothing to do with you, it has nothing to do with you. And so being able to talk through that, being able to understand it, like whenever people ask me about mind control or like how do I improve it, this, that, or the other, and when I say mind control, I mean over your own mind, it always starts with learn about the brain, learn about the biochemical mm -hmm. things that are going on because when you understand it and you can go, oh, like I get it, you're stressed, you're anxious, your testosterone levels are being driven lower, you're in the fight or flight response, which is known as the sympathetic nervous system, all of that is literally pulling resources away from sexual desire, sexual drive. And then men have sometimes performance anxiety. So for women, it, it's easier. It's show up, right? But for guys, like there's a biomechanical yeah. part to getting an erection that 
can then add to the stress where it's like, oh, God, I'm really not feeling this. Mm. And then what if I go into this and I can't perform and that's embarrassing on me? And so, like, you're both having this, like, oh, it's me, it's me thing, not connecting, not talking about it, not having the conversation because it's hard, it's scary, it's embarrassing, and you want to be cool, especially when it comes to sex. And you want to, as a guy, you want to feel powerful. And none of that is there in that moment. And now all of a sudden, the last thing you want to do is be honest and say, mm-hmm. I don't feel powerful. Mm-hmm. I don't feel confident. Because that just helped. Like, yeah. Now, like, I'm going even yeah. worse because I'm convinced Then she's going to be really turned off right. by that. So you've got both people thinking I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. So just like sit, communicate, talk about it. 100%. Um, and, and stop with the stereotypes, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 100%. Because I think that probably puts even more pressure on him, right? Like, here I am. I stereotypically I should want sex more than her now she doesn't so that probably makes him feel worse about himself that he's yeah, not able I, to I think in those every- yes that where you were going would make him I think feel worse about himself if he doesn't feel like he's delivering what she needs right. to be happy and satisfied right. and all of that um, but even more than that I think you just get caught up in the the like I'm stressed I'm anxious this like isn't mm. appealing right now mm. and you're, you're lost in that, but not wanting to communicate it because it makes you feel weak and worse yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because like when I got <clears throat> at my worst, when I was really sick, I mean, I could barely stand for more than five minutes. So for me, it was, you know, obviously my sex drive actually dropped a lot. And for a while, I almost didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to bring light to it. I'd kind of hope that you wouldn't notice, which of course is a terrible strategy, people, because of course people, your other half sure. notices. And then eventually it's like, okay, we really need to talk about it. And me actually just getting it off my chest, like, look, I know that things haven't been as normal as they usually are. And I probably am not reaching your... Um, the level of satisfaction that you're looking for and I'm sorry for that and I was almost apologizing more for myself like look I there's nothing I can do I'm sorry that that's then what you know the outcome but how do we then get through this like what are those things because right now I can't physically um stand up let alone do anything else but um the second I was open to then hearing your feedback and your thoughts and us being able to be honest actually to me helped us really connect us Mm. um and like that's really what sex is right for me and you it's that connection um so even talking about it almost filled that little void of the connection if that makes sense the intimacy the intimacy yeah um all right next question this is from kylie morgan lewis hi guys love you both my fr- my you. boyfriend and i are both entrepreneurs with no secure job between the two of us for a year, for a few years now we're constantly planning plotting and strategizing in order to get by or make it in quotes how do you separate this masculine energy of creation and building from a more sensual and connected energy hmm, that's a really good question so one thing that's worked really well for us is to delineate in some physical way the difference in spaces. So for instance, we rarely, you do now, but yeah, it's, in fact, I'm really interested to hear your take on this because the easy way is to say you separate it by location. Like I don't work in the bedroom almost ever. You do, but I don't, so that we could keep that space. That was a totally different space. There's no work going on in that space. In fact, do you find that that's um, created like, any issues? Yeah, I don't like working in the bedroom. The only reason why I do is I have to like eat and meditate and kind of have that break. But we and, have other rooms that you could go to. Yeah, so, well, 
I mean, let's not do well, but on my bedroom's like the one place that I don't like employees going. I don't like anyone going in there except for me. So it feels like my space, right. like emotionally. Um, but so I used to, yeah. Um, God, actual tactics. So I think having certain things, you're right. Um, like for me, at least, like if I cuddle you, it means like almost in my own head, like I'm in wife mode now, right? If I cuddle you, I put my head on your chest. Um, it's that like kind of t- twist that that trigger. Um, also, I think like if I'm in my pajamas, like that also is like a I'm feeling more relaxed. Um, yeah, those are the two that come to mind. So I'll I'll give you yeah. um, the short answer. Other than saying that separating the things out geographically, I think is really important. Having some sort of um, separation between work time and play time, I think is is really key. And anybody that knows my rule uh, about Monday through Friday, if I'm awake, I'm either working or working out. You can sort of guess. Um, another way that we bifurcate things, which is just um, time period during the week. So during the week, I'm full work mode. And on the weekends, then I do a lot. I prioritize our relationship on the weekend. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that I don't work, but it means that work is not my priority. Um, So that's really big. And that that for me puts me in a totally different state of mind um, from week to weekend. Oh, yeah. And I just actually you're right. So the weekend for us, like Saturday if we, you don't have other things going on like within the company, that's me and you time. And the one thing that we had said, like initially it was really hard to not talk about work because if all you're doing every day, like if, right, like you're working all the time, I'm working all the time. And so our lives revolve around the company, people in the company, things we're doing. So it's kind of hard to not talk about them on the weekend. So I kind of made this little rule. Initially it was like, don't talk about work. And then I realized that's actually not possible. So now the rule is don't say anything negative. So if you've got a problem at work, right? I think most people that are pretty much doing anything in their lives, there's one problem or another. Do not bring that up in during date day, right? If Saturday is me and you time. So if we're going to talk about work, I want to hear all the things you're excited about. Like everything is always from a positive standpoint. Babe, what are you excited about? What are the things that you're looking forward to? What was the best thing that happened to you this week? These are all the questions that I'll ask. Um, but it's never like, oh my God, yeah, that video, it went out and it got held and it froze and we had to re-upload it. Like to me, that's just stressful. I don't want to deal with that on my date day. Um, same with my phone. If we're hanging out, like the only time I'll pick up my phone is to either put music on, like I won't check email. Because again, like having that mind switch over is so important and I'm just not good at being able to do both. Like I can't look at my phone go over a problem and then turn to you and be super sweet and romantic. Like I just can't do the two, but you're actually better at it than I am. I, I can go back and forth, but you're really good at going, I'm in this mode versus this mode. Yeah. And I just don't have as much of a problem. Like business mode actually puts me in a very similar mindset to the, um, confidence and, um, you know, feeling good about myself. Like I get all of that, Mm -hmm. which, feeds my testosterone level, which is more likely to drive my sexual desire. So it's like that for me isn't, it isn't hard. It isn't a disconnect. Um, but the, the question being specifically about how you shift that energy. And I feel like you're able to very consciously go and now I'm in wife mode and you gave the example of cuddling, which I think is good, but I actually don't think that you really need that. 
Um, I, you can switch really fast, but it's all situational dependent. Yeah. So I'll say geography and time of week are the two biggest things that I will yeah. give people to then, consciously say this time is now for this. Yeah. It's good. I like it. Um, all right, we've got some sh- fan shout outs. British Columbia, Sydney, Seattle, Palm Springs, and Denver. Nice. I love it when they were like all ever. I said hi. Um, and yeah, guys, if this video is bringing you value, please do click that share button. That is the one ask that we have for anyone watching. So um, share the love, share, share, share. Thank you. What is up, everybody? Today's show is brought to you by the amazing human beings at Butcher Box. I'm telling you, because of Lisa's microbiome issues and all of that, I've become a huge believer in grass fed. It matters very much what you eat has eaten. Uh, if that doesn't sound crazy enough. And I really used to think that this, that grass-fed was like a bunch of BS, but the truth is it's had a massive impact on Lisa. She can tell the difference immediately from a digestive standpoint, whether what she's eating was grass-fed or not. It has been so difficult to find good meat that my stomach can actually handle, and ButcherBox has been my savior. These guys deliver 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your door on a monthly basis. All of their products are humanely raised and never, ever given antibiotics or hormones. And it is hard to find high-quality meat that you can trust, but ButcherBox is changing all of that. And they offer free shipping anywhere in the 48 contiguous United States. And for our listeners, we have a very special offer. You can get $10 off and free bacon. Free bacon. That's right. You didn't hear, miss here. Free bacon. <laughs> By going to ButcherBox.com and using the discount code IMPACT. That's discount code I-M-P-A-C-T. At ButcherBox.com. Try it out right now. All right, guys, this is some tasty stuff. I really wouldn't get behind this if I didn't think that it was fantastic. Literally, I still have little splatters on my wrist right now because I just cooked some of this stuff. It is absolutely delicious. I'm a total freak for my burgers, and these things are fantastic. The boxes come with at least 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is enough for 24 individual-sized meals. You can choose from five different box types, all beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, the mixed box, and the custom box, which allows you to choose your own cuts. That was my favorite. Yum. By taking out the middleman, grocery stores in this case, and purchasing direct from a collective of ranches, Butcher's Box is able to buy meat at a lower cost and pass those savings on to you. The price is just $1.29 per month, which works out to less than $6 per meal. And shipping is free, guys, nationwide, besides Alaska and Hawaii. All right, order now. Get $10 off plus free bacon. Free bacon. By going to ButcherBox.com and using the discount code IMPACT, I-M-P-A-C-T. There's no commitment, and you guys can cancel easily at any time. Did we mention this free bacon? Enjoy, and be legendary. Um, all right, and next question. This is from Charlene Fuller-Ellerton. How do you bring up performance issues without hurting your partner's feelings? Ooh. Um, so one, let's just say that this is very much a... Oh, shit. Wow. I've, like, butchered this now. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, this is one of those areas where it's super risky. It's just a, a very dangerous conversation. But I think that waiting for the perfect moment to bring it up at a time where somebody's receptive and um, going way out of your way to make sure that they don't feel attacked to um, 
you know, discuss it openly, um, non-aggressively, being really open to the answer, asking a lot of questions instead of making a lot of proclamations, um, not doing it at a moment where you're about to transition into sex, which of course oh, is God, when somebody's thinking yeah. about it. And so now it's on my mind, so I'm going to bring it up, but it's like, oh God, talk about like a, <coughs> <coughs> a mood killer. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, that I would really look for that opportune moment and making sure that you, a lot of this though, like the groundwork is laid, sorry, you were going to say something. I, I, I thought you were finished, groundwork is laid. Is laid beforehand. Like I, I am just supremely confident that you love me, that you're attracted to me and that anything that you're bringing up like that, like you really want to understand, you think it'll make the relationship better. And so I'm... You've earned that credibility over time. It's interesting. You don't agree with that. I do agree with it, but I think that if it's a sensitive <coughs> subject, no matter like whether I, you know that I love you, like that's all like, yes, you know it when you really take your mind to it. But in situations like this, I think there's so much ego and self-esteem wrapped up into it that the second you say something negative, depending on how sensitive they are to it, right? Um, they're going to react harsher. So if it's something they're already aware of, for instance, um, and you bring it up, it could be a really hot button. So I think it's still tricky to approach it. I think it has to be approached because I think like anything in a relationship for you guys to really succeed long term um, for life, right? That's what we, when we got married, it's like this is for life, which means that we know we're going to have things that we have to overcome. And sex is absolutely one thing that you have to get on the same page of. Of. You can't go silent. I think um, not communicating in that area doesn't set you guys up for success. So for me, the one thing I think I would do to approach the situation is I would look at myself first. And I would say, what can I honestly say about myself that I feel like I haven't quite nailed it yet? in regards to intimacy with you. It's like, so if I was reflecting like, okay, like maybe I don't do it enough, right? Or maybe I don't dress sexy enough, whatever it may be. I'll approach that conversation with the first thing of like about me, like, babe, I've really been thinking, like, do I wear enough sex, sexy lingerie? Do you actually want me to wear more? Because I really want to make sure that I'm satisfying you, right? Like kind of come into the table with my own thing that I think I could improve on. And then try and bring then that conversation and go, oh, okay. And then maybe for you, what you could do is X, Y, and Z. I love where your head is. And I think that would end in disaster. Really? Yes. Why? Because if they're having performance anxiety and you're coming at it from what am I doing wrong? They're going to be like, that's not it. You don't understand. It's not about that. Like that I think is... Even if it was like, look, I just want to make you happy. So, like, I really, like, let's do this together. Like, that's way more interesting. Uh, let's go to approaching like a lingerie it, shop. Eh, like, approaching it head on and asking them, like, how can I help? Is there something that I can do here? But I oh, think going. You, wouldn't that hurt? 100%. That's help. why. Wouldn't that feel like. Yes. That's why I'm saying, like, to me, this question is entirely one of building up to it. It is earning the credibility all along the way. This is a conversation that you could have with me and it would be dicey, no question. I wouldn't love it. I'd be bummed that we're having to talk about it, but it's real, so we're going to have to address it. But if you haven't made the deposits with me emotionally to earn the right to say something like that, it is going to be a fucking disaster. Mm. But if you've mm. over ideal, like, so you've earned it over years and years and years what? and years and years. Now, if yeah. I know that, ooh, I'm not sure, like maybe there's been stress in the relationship or whatever, I would think to myself, okay, I'm going to, my goal is to bring this up in three months. 
And starting right now, I'm gonna do everything I can to, to make sure they feel, not intellectually understand, they feel supported mm. and make them feel good, that I'm doing things to make them confident, all sincere, all authentic, real connection, but I'm gonna be invest, 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 make all these deposits emotionally so that I've earned the credibility. They know, they feel it to the core of their being, mm. how supportive I am, how much I love them, how into them I am, like doing non-sexual contact if it's really a problem, like, uh, massages, cuddling, just spending time touching each other, like how, like however they communicate. Then I would bring it up. Once like we've lowered the pressure, mm -hmm. we've lowered the stress, I've shown like, hey, I'm not tense about this. Mm -hmm. This is something we're gonna work through. This is something that's gonna take time. Like there's no rush. I'm way into you, I love you the most, I totally support you, better or worse, like let's, that's all, all of that's coming from expectation. Mm -hmm. So. I don't expect anything. Mm -hmm. I just want to touch you and be close to you. That then does over really time, one hundred percent. Then over time, it's like we can start talking about it when they don't feel attacked or backed into a corner yeah. or whatever those expectations are. We're lowering that stuff. And then at some point, when you've made all those deposits, then you may have to push the issue a bit and say, "Look, I think I've shown I'm not in a rush." Mm. But at the end of the day, this is suboptimal, and we need to process through it. We need to talk about it doesn't mean that you know I'm hitting you with a cattle prod, but it does mean that we really have to have the conversation. And if that comes after three months of like really making sure you're connecting and supporting and all of that, I think it's a, while still a difficult and tricky conversation, I think you get to the other side. If you just try to bums rush it and it's like, we gotta fucking talk about this, then I think disaster city. Mm. Yeah, that was really good advice, babe. Well, thank you. Um, all right, next question. This is from Enid Chia. Any good books to recommend on relationships and brain neurochemistry? On three, are we gonna say the same yeah. book? Ready? One, two, three. The, the female, female brain. brain. Read that book. That was a, a total game changer. And then if you really wanna get crazy, I, female brain, first and foremost, way more powerful. But the book Sex at Dawn, I found utterly fascinating, which is about evolutionary um, Sorry, not happy with relationships in an evolutionary content context. Sorry. It was honestly like that book. Female it, brain. Yes, the female brain. Um, for me, like when I read it, I thought, okay, I'm going to learn about why I act the way I am, why I get certain emotions, like how all these things, like how my hormones affect me. And then it actually, like as I was halfway through, I was like, this is like the best relationship book ever because you get to understand your partner's like way of thinking like all the things that may frustrate you like um silly example how often you can heart if you if you've had this experience you've asked your partner if you're female you've asked your male partner um to go look for something they open up the cupboard and they can't find it and it's like right in front of them um something silly like that but understanding actually how the brain is developed actually now i don't judge you that you can't see something that's right in front of you um that was like a silly example but I didn't expect the book to hit me to, to understand you. I really was reading it to understand myself. Mm. And so after I read that book, I was like, every person who's in a relationship, whether you're in the same sex relationship or whatever, like you should read this book because understanding how the brain is structured, like allowed me to understand how you think about sex, how you think about relationships, how you think about work, how you think about family. Um, so yeah, I could keep going on as you could tell. Word. All right, next. Oh, we've got a would you rather segment. All right, guys, answer with us. Drop in the comments below um, as we read them out loud. And if I haven't mentioned, press that share button. 
All right, so would you rather? Would you rather have a relationship with no intimacy or a relationship with no lust? I'm gonna like intimacy, deep connection. At the end of the day, those bring me more a sense of fulfillment yeah. and connection and like wholeness. Mm-hmm. So while I'd be mortified, I would much rather have intimacy and connection than lust. And isn't it interesting? Like I assume that you that changed as you got no, older. No, I, I I would have been way more begrudging even when I was young. <laughs> Even when I was young, I knew, like, that's why I was scared of a loveless marriage. I never had nightmares about a sexless marriage. It was always... Really? You never had nightmares never, about a sexless ever. marriage? I was always terrified of no connection. Interesting. Wow, that really surprises me. Yeah. I think that's a lot of people's fears, having a, um, no sex. Well, the bad news is that one is born of the other nine times out of ten. Yeah, good point. All right. Would you rather? Would you rather spend every weekend working on your business, or have a partner who spends weekend working on their business? So, would you rather be the one working on the weekends oh, or your I spouse? I would much rather be the one working. Yeah, and I mean that's our life now. Yeah. So yeah, would rather him. Um, why? That's interesting. I get so much sense of identity, who I am, and pleasure from the process. I I. I really want people to understand. I work as much as I work because I love it. So I love the process. I did not used to. I made all the classic mistakes. You had a I was going to say no, but um, most of the time though, if you're like, hey, let's hang, and I'm like, babe, I've got, I've got this deadline. I have to do something. You won't go and just chill. You'll be like, okay, I'll go to work. And I actually feel guilty because I'm like, well, you don't have to work just because I'm working. You're like, no, no. But you'll always work Correct. if I'm working. Correct. What is that about? I want, like, left to my default network, I would work every hour that I was awake that I wasn't working out. Mm. Because what I want to build, I care so much about and I have so much fun solving those problems. I would occasionally take time off, there's no question. Um, But I would work a lot. I would definitely work more than I work now. All right. All right, next, uh, would you rather? Would you rather have a toxic relationship with your partner or a toxic relationship with yourself? 100% 100% with myself because I can yeah. solve that issue. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, I think that if you have a toxic relationship with yourself, it's going to be hard to not have a toxic relationship with your partner because it just feeds Very into well it. Very well said. All right, back to questions. And guys, we are answering live, so just drop it in the comments if you have a question. Um, all right, this is, oh, from Anonymous. Hello, Tom and Lisa. I have a boyfriend of six years. We're best friends. I've recently been feeling needy. I told him I would like to be hugged, cuddled, and hold hands more often. He said, that's boring. You know you love it when I pick pick on you. I do to a point, but I don't want to feel like I'm dating a boy. He's extremely wise in every other way. He could rather playfully tease me <coughs> with tickles versus hand-holding hugs, etc. I want to understand why he's bored with traditional ways to show your love. What do you think? Before you answer... Do you know how I feel about this question? Um, I'd like to think so. Um, so sometimes you tease me mm-hmm. and I'm exactly the same. Like it, depending on my emotional state, if I just need loves, hugs and kisses, like I totally get it. And you tease me and it will upset me. 
And I'll say, babe, I just need, uh, what's the word phrase I use? I just need- Sweetness. Sweetness, that's it, thank you. It's funny how we have to think about it, it doesn't come out naturally. So I will say like, I just need sweetness. And for you, picking on me is actually how you perceive sweetness. So it's kind of going back to the other episode that we did on love languages, is that it wasn't that he was being um, insincere or insensitive. It was the fact that that is what how you perceive it. So for you, tickling me and teasing me and he pokes me and, you know, um, that's your way of actually being intimate. And Sort of. Oh, God. No. Sort of. I, I really get this question and I get why you say that to me. And my thing is when you say it, if I keep going and I keep teasing you and keep poking at you, you would definitely have call to say that I'm being insensitive. And at that point, I would be being insensitive. You've very clearly told me what you need. And if I'm not responding to that, because like I love cuddles and hugs and holding hands and all that. And it's, it is definitely like the, I don't know what it is about humans where when a little boy wants a little girl's attention, he will pull her hair. It's super weird, but I actually do have that impulse. Like I want to just come up and like bite you or poke you or push you. (laughs) And I'm like, that's so weird. Like it's so weird and it comes out of nowhere. And it, and I fully understand that isn't your language. Mm. So I, when I'm doing it, it's almost because I just, I mean, I'm on autopilot. I have an emotion and I react to it or I have a desire and I react to it versus being thoughtful and saying, what's actually going to move me towards my goal? Because my goal is to get your positive attention. Mm. And if poking you and pushing and all of that is not going to get me positive attention, then doing it doesn't make sense. So being receptive and being open and really hearing you and giving you what you ask for, like that's speaking a language that the other person can actually hear and understand. Mm-hmm. So what I want to know is why when he hears her, He's still presenting his worldview and mm-hmm. saying, well, you've just told me your language, but that's not my language. Well, now you're speaking in a way where y- it's what you want versus what the other person can actually hear. And so I tell this to artists, oddly enough, and say, every artist has to make a decision. Do you want to masturbate or do you want to make love? And masturbating is, I don't care. There's nobody else. I only have to please myself. But when you're making love, it's all about what does the other person want? How can I communicate with them in a way that's meaningful where they're having a great time? It's this real exchange. It's two people coming together. And that, that's just a decision. Mm-hmm. But when, you re- when the person tells you how they would receive your love and you reject it, to me, that's like an artist saying, you know, I only care about myself. I'm here to make this artwork for myself and I don't care what anybody else thinks. And that, in a relationship, is a real missed opportunity. And the reason I use it in the artist context is for artists to reach an audience and really move people with their art, they have to think about their audience. Mm. And so in a relationship, it's the same. You've got an audience of one. They're telling you how to like create something, a mood, an emotion for them to really internalize and to feel. If you reject that, you're, in essence, rejecting the very premise of a partnership. And so I would say that he's got work to do on that side of like, is that really what you want? Do you really want to reject when somebody's giving you the keys to the kingdom? They're telling you how you can help them internalize an emotion. And if you're saying, I don't care how you internalize the emotion, I'm going to speak the way that I want to speak. And if you don't like it so much, tough shit. 
it's like that does not strike me as a successful way to build a relationship. I totally hear you, but the one thing I'll add to that is that she also needs to be receptive of how he wants to communicate. So if his version of kisses, cuddles, hugs, and handholding is teasing, how does she react to that? Like, is she also helping? Allowing him to tease her and be poked and like giggle and enjoy the way he wants to communicate. Because if going back to the no judgment of what we were saying at the beginning of the episode, where one person may want sex more or different, um, there needs to be no judgment. So if she really does want the kisses and the cuddles, and he really does want the poking and the teasing, I think you need to address both, not just give in and say, okay, well she wants hand holding, so I want to do it. So. I would sit down and like um, when he is poking, like I would giggle and I would try to like embrace it and think, oh, this is part of how he communicates. And then maybe afterwards, then like, okay, now I really would love to cuddle. Or sometimes what I do with you is like I just tell you in that moment, and I'm not sure by this question if you actually say in the moment. But if you're poking because you just want to be playful and I'm not feeling it, I'll just say, "Baby, I just need you to be sweet." And that's basically my way of saying, "I need you to cuddle. I need you to hold my hand. I need you to give me the the um, the reaction that I'm looking for right now." But I think it has to work both ways. Very well said. Thank you. All right. Next question. This is from Kylie Morgan Lewis. Um, what are you sorry? What are your opinions on having a TV in the bedroom and specifically watching TV to fall asleep each night? Aside from the obvious blue light and other negative side effects to the brain before sleep, I feel that it often replaces the opportunity to connect, be intimate. What's been your experience with this? Well, when we first met, you barely even had a TV. I mean, you had a TV, but there was no. Um, apps or anything like that. You could, apps. Because right, because you just they didn't had, exist. Yeah, just like a DVD player. Yeah, apps weren't a thing, and it was a VHS player VHS back then. Thing, yeah. But yeah. Um, ultimately, I think at the end of the day, it has to be what works for you guys, right? So if both if both people love having a TV in the bedroom, great. If one of you wants the TV and the other person doesn't, then I think that removing the TV may feel like one of you got your way and the other person didn't, um, which would almost seem a little unfair. But if you feel like the TV being on when you're in bed can um, maybe have a disconnect of intimacy, then I would, if it was me, put in rules, right? Like, hey, when we climb into bed, I really want the TV off because this is, I want time with you. Um, again, I think everything's about communication and compromise. Like those two things are so important because it's, it, in my opinion, it's never fair when it's black and white. All right, I don't want the TV, so we're getting rid of the TV. Like, what about the person that does want the TV? Um, but I totally hear what you're saying. If that comes into play, like, or in between the intimacy, I think it's important to have that discussion. Um, and then, again, like, I would put in rules of engagement. But we do have a TV in our bedroom. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a slightly different take, which is um, when I crawl into bed, I am tired. That's why I'm going to bed. And so the last thing that's on my mind is sex. So the thing that gets in the way for me isn't the TV, it's work. And so on the weekends, I delineate and I make sure that I prioritize time together, intimacy, making sure, understanding that physical intimacy, I think, is a really key part in any relationship. Mm -hmm. Just from a neurochemistry standpoint, it is absolutely critical to have that cascade of um, chemicals to bond, to have the vasopressin and all of that stuff that's released during sex, oxytocin, bonding, all those chemicals that make people feel really connected. I think that's super, super important. So... 
setting aside time for that and not being so like, oh, it's all going to be spontaneous, like knowing that these are the the prime windows, which for us has nothing to do with TV. It's not a time during the day, even on the weekend, that we would be watching TV. So um, doing that. So a TV in the bedroom to me is irrelevant because if you're watching it at night to go to bed, like I'm only getting in bed because I'm already tired and I'm already shutting down. So the TV in that instance would be totally meaningless. But to your point about rules of engagement, we make sure that we carve out time to be intimate on the weekends, that we don't miss it. So that's the, the key. Mm. You, you have to make time for that. So making time, by the way, for intimacy other than just sex. So taking the time, eye contact, talking, not playing on your phones, like really engaging with each other. Um, I think that's really important. And that's one of the things here, like being in Southern California, there's so many days which is beautiful. So we'll go out, eat meals together, talk with no TVs, no phones, just really spending time with no distractions. I think that's really critical. Mm. Word. Um, all right. And guys, if this is bringing you value, please do press that share button. All right, next question. This is from Jack. And this is... Tom and Lisa. Yeah. My partner and I haven't seemed... To, what's that? Nothing. No. Um, Tom and Lisa. My partner and I haven't seemed to be able to work out the kinks concerning sex. It took her a while to get comfortable and be open to talking about it. But even after some time, things still aren't progressing as we would like. Our relationship is solid and we've been intimate for a while now. But this seems like the area where things aren't clicking. I'm trying to balance striving to improve this area without putting pressure on it by constantly talking about it and trying things. Any tips, tactics or things to try? I think no pressure thing's actually great. Like recognizing that, um, you know, pressure actually when it comes to sex can actually do the opposite. Um, any thoughts, Mr. Billy? This is, this is a tricky one. I wish that um, we could ask more questions because our relationship is solid and has been intimate for a while now, but it seems like um, things aren't clicking. It's like, I need to know what that means. So I need to know if there's just a discrepancy in sexual communication style, if there's a discrepancy in sexual desire, um, if if they're, they don't have chemistry. I mean, there's like, yeah. there's a lot of follow-up questions well, that I have. Let's go as in its desire, because I think that that's somewhat a, a very common thing that I hear in couples where one couple or one person wants it a lot more than the other. I think that that's quite a mm. common thing. So here, like my honest answer is you guys have to find a way to create a super intimate, no defenses moment to have a conversation about what's really going on, about what would really excite you. Like one game that we do a lot is we write out lists of questions, just like really fun questions that we want to ask each other that we want to know the answer to. And in doing that, like you're often surprised by the other person's answers. And so doing whatever you need to do to get into that zone where you feel like you can just be totally open and totally honest, um, create that environment, however the two of you create that environment, and then have the questions within that environment so that it's a very atypical, unusual, really vulnerable, really unguarded conversation. And some of our biggest breakthroughs have been in those moments where you're open to hearing like, the way that I always explain it is, I'm open to hearing everything is my fault right now. I like, I really want to like vibe and click and hear like, what are you thinking and what do you want and like, what excites you and what are you scared to ask me and what are you scared to tell me and like, getting into one of those conversations is so rad. Like when you can create that vibe, mm -hmm. and we'll get that a lot on vacation. There's no distractions. There's nothing going on. Nobody's 
nobody needs anything. Like you're just in this, you're in an unusual location away from all your normal stuff. You're not playing on your phones. You're like totally engaged with each other over a great meal. And you're just in this like little cocoon is the easiest way I have to explain it. And knowing that, you know, we're going to go, we're going to talk, we're going to have these phone conversations, we're going to ask each other these crazy questions, and we're always trying to find like something new out about each other, which 17 years in is not easy, and so it's really fun when we tap into something new and exciting. So but in one of those moments, I would say, to, to have the real conversation, because there's some, yeah. the thing that's not clicking, I think there's something they haven't discovered about each other, yeah. or they're not being honest and open about something. Yeah, and if it is a discrepancy in quantity, let's say, um, I think it's important to discuss it and to not judge each other. Like, um, yes, you have a much higher sex drive than I do. And so I've embraced it. We've spoken about it. And it's like, I don't feel badly. I mean, I, I, I wish that I had the sex drive that you do, but I don't feel, I can't do anything about it necessarily. So You could. We could get you on some testosterone. Yeah, which... It, it'd be just lights out. Um, Your jaw would get really scary. <laughs> but... Um, I, I don't know. I guess there's always a judgment there as well, right? Like I've had personally experience where I've had friends who come to me, he's like, all he ever wants is sex. And like, he's always trying. And to me, actually, like if that's actually a compliment, like if you always wanted sex with me, I mean, like it's, I think my dream that I'm still, that you're still attracted to me, right? Yeah, you've got to be a little positive. careful with that because if you think that every time I want sex is because, oh my God, you're so like hot then when I don't want sex, are you going to take that oh, as a sign against you? So you that's, that, it's ooh, really that's, like a double-edged sword. You really, really have to be careful. Yeah. And I think it's more just understanding the natural rhythms, the hormonal rhythms mm. that both men and women have and like that this is a shared experience that yes, 100%, mm. there's a huge part of desire that goes into it for the other person. And that's a part of what makes sex so wonderful. But like to not think that this is a one-to-one -one between they want sex because I'm attractive or they don't want sex because they're not attractive. That's like it. that's way, way dangerous. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. There it is. That is a very good point. All right. All right, guys. So that's all for today. Um, we are live on Thursday apparently next week instead of Wednesday. Are you busy? I would assume. I'm doing <laughs> oh, I'm traveling. Yeah, I'm out of town again. Um, but guys, thank you so much for joining us. I'm just going to keep repeating. Press that little share button if we brought you value. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Indeed. And um, we'd love to hear if this subject was actually interesting to you guys. It was new for us to talk about on camera. So um, hope we actually brought value to you guys. And if there's other subjects that you actually want us to um, talk about, throw it in the comments. We'd love to hear it. We're always looking to um, talk about new things and you know answer your guys' questions. So if there is something that you want us to address, throw it in the comments and then one more thing i'll say is if you do want us to answer questions but you don't want to um you want to stay anonymous that's absolutely fine you can email us at connect at impacttheory.com and we'll be happily um happy to answer your questions word all right guys thanks peace out see you next time be legendary uh, that's right be legendary. Can't believe you say it. don't forget to subscribe <laughs> Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.